You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, April 19th, 2022. I'm Cutta Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with information on how a CSU professor is leading a NASA Earth venture. Then, Ellie Shannon covers local news with details on a police shooting in Fort Collins. Then, Cota Babcock goes over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies. And we hear from Colorado Representative Julie McCluskey about bills that recently made it through the House. After that, I go over information on a lawsuit that could block U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from running for re-election. We hear about a locally run podcast from Dylan King and Live and Local. To conclude today's show, I explain updates on technology with information on Google Satellites. Let's move right into campus and local news. And now, Campus News with Kira McKinley. CSU professor Susan Van Dean Heaver will be the first woman to lead a NASA Earth venture. Her team will launch three investigation of collection updraft satellites in 2026. These INCSU satellites will collect data on rain, hail, and thunderstorms in the tropics, according to CSU Source News. INCUS satellites could be revolutionary to storm forecasting and climate modeling. In other news, a research team at CSU is working towards improving the efficiency of photosynthesis in algae, according to Nine News. Graham Pierce, a professor in the Department of Biology at CSU, said that they aim to make biofuels economically competitive with fossil fuels. He explains that right now, algae and plants are only using 1% or less of the energy gained during photosynthesis. Pierce wants to increase their energy usage, which will allow biofuels to become more efficient. For more information on Colorado State University's biofuel research, go to 9news.com. ASCSU had its second reading of Resolution 1509 during a session last Friday. This resolution is a united call from 120 universities all throughout the country for the federal government to cancel student debt. According to Piper Russell of the Collegian, some senators claim that the resolution was too vague. Evan Welch claimed that this is because it could generate wider support and go along with a call from other student organizations at 120 universities supporting this resolution. Despite initial concerns, the resolution was passed. Thank you for listening to my CSU Campus News Updates. I'm Kira McKinley, and now on to local news. This is Ellie Shannon with your local news. Rocky Mountain National Park Rangers have found the missing skull and antler of the park's most famous elk bull. The elk was known for its enormous size and was loved by wildlife photographers. He died of natural causes in late February. The skull and antler of the bull was mysteriously cut off from the rest of the elk's body towards the end of March. The skull and antler were recently found after park rangers were notified of a similar skull that matched descriptions. According to Melissa Reeves of Nine News, rangers thanked the media, social media, and the local community for helping find it. Rangers also reported that no other information is available and that it is still an ongoing investigation. On Thursday afternoon, Larimer County Sheriff's deputies shot and killed 25-year-old suspect Ari Sadler at the Larimer County landfill. Deputies were attempting to arrest the man after a domestic violence and assault case. A woman had called police on Thursday stating that Sadler had broken into her home and was making threats of violence against her and her children. She also told deputies Sadler was likely armed with a handgun. Police located the suspect at the landfill on Thursday afternoon, but it is still not clear what led deputies to shoot Sadler. 
Emergency medical services were called for Sadler, but he later died at the hospital. The 8th Judicial District Critical Incident Response Team is currently investigating the shooting. A new Larimer County Jail program is now allowing inmates to take education courses while they are serving a sentence or awaiting a trial. The program started at the end of March and incarcerated people at the jail have access to more than 400 educational courses programs on tablets provided to each inmate. The tablets also allow inmates to access an electronic library, rehabilitation courses that aim to help reduce recidivism, religious courses, substance abuse and mental health self-help courses, and much more. 37% of inmates at the Larimer County Jail signed up for the education programs. Masks are no longer required to ride Transfort in Fort Collins. The leading public transportation system of Fort Collins has had the mask mandate for almost two years now. Masks are still recommended. That's all for local news. Thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. I'm Ellie Shannon, and we'll be right back. Support for KCSU comes from Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut Toasted Subs is a cannabis-themed restaurant with three locations in Fort Collins and two close to campus. Ordering is available online for pickup or delivery. For locations and a menu, visit ChibaHut.com. We're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed any part of Campus and Local News with Kira McKinley and Ellie Shannon, check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to listen back. I'm Coda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Tuesday. Colorado State University reports around 8,200 COVID-19 cases since reporting began in May 2020. Five new cases were reported yesterday among students, with two new cases reported among staff and faculty at CSU. Masks are no longer required on CSU's Fort Collins campus, with the exception of some buildings like the CSU Health Network. Larimer County reports low COVID-19 community transmission levels, along with nearly 80,000 COVID-19 cases and 485 deaths. The county's seven-day case rate rose significantly in recent weeks, with 128 cases per 100,000 residents, based on data reported this morning. 6% of tests administered in Larimer County came back positive in the past week, and new COVID-19 hospital admissions remain low. COVID-19 patients take up less than 2% of local inpatient hospital beds. The state of Colorado reports over 1.3 million cases of COVID-19, along with over 13,000 deaths. 4.8 million people have been tested in Colorado, with over-hospitalizations at over 61,000. 10.5 million vaccines have been administered in the state, and nearly 4 million Coloradans are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports over 80.4 million cases of COVID-19 and over 986,000 deaths nationally. Over 82% of the eligible U.S. population is at least partially vaccinated against COVID-19. I'm Kota Babcock, and that's all for Tuesday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the CDC. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine information and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. The Colorado House of Representatives passed Bills 1155 and 1256 with the intention of providing accessibility in mental health or mental and behavioral health care, as well as higher education. Today, I'm joined by Representative Julie McCleskey, who represents Lake, Pitkin, Delta, Summit, and Gunnison counties to talk about these bills and their importance in Colorado. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Coda. I'm glad to be here. Would you mind explaining a bit about House Bill 1155 and how expanding in-state tuition is expected to make it easier for Coloradans to access education? Yeah, thank you. House Bill 1155 is a bill that has been in the works for several years, and it expands opportunities for our undocumented students who currently, I represent quite a few communities with large immigrant populations. And so these students have been anxious to be able to pursue their college degrees. And I'm excited to say with the passage of 1155, we'll see more students be able to access their college dreams by um, being able to attend at an in-state tuition at any college in Colorado. And then in addition to the benefit to undocumented students, Colorado's cost of living has continued to rise. So why is it important to expand access to educational opportunities to more recent residents, whether they're undocumented or documented? That's a great question, Coda. Um, No surprise to you, and I'm sure many of the students in Fort Collins, we see workforce shortages all across the state right now. Whether that's due to the pandemic or the economic crisis, We have got to do more to make sure students have access to the education, the skills, the training they need to be able to secure a job that pays a living wage. It's incredibly important that we clear away those barriers that keep not only traditional age students, students that have just graduated from high school, but also older students, adults who are looking to um, expand their skills, their their knowledge, their training and um, give them a pathway to a better future. And 1155 does that not only for traditional students, but also those non-traditional students. And then can you clarify the change in how many years you have to live in Colorado in order to qualify for in-state tuition? Yeah, 1155 now aligns the requirements for any student who is undocumented to the same requirements for a Colorado in-state student. So you must live within the state within for one full year in order to receive that in-state discount at your favorite at your favorite college and hopefully that favorite college is CSU. Why did you personally choose to sponsor HB 1155? It is such a privilege to represent uh, the folks up in the high country out of the five counties that are part of House District 61. As I mentioned earlier, we have a large immigrant population in the high country, a community of people who are a large part of our workforce. Many of the students 
that I have known in both our K-12, our, our local public schools, as well as Colorado Mountain College, have been challenged to pursue their college dream at an in-state tuition. When Colorado Mountain College came to me and said, hey, we've got a challenge here. We're seeing students um, bypass their college degree, that post-secondary credential, because of the additional costs. How can, what can we do to help more of those students pursue that dream? So I was delighted in, in working with Colorado Mountain College and certainly for students all across the state to be able to expand this access. Then how do you think that this legislation follows a really national effort to not only make undocumented immigrants and undocumented students more supported in the realms of education, but also make education affordable for all Americans? Actually, Coda, I'll refer to uh, some different legislation that we carried that this year, and that was the uh, budget for the state. I am the chair of the Joint Budget Committee, and one of our priorities this year was higher education funding. We invested another $129 million into our institutions of higher education in the state. Much of that money went to underrepresented minorities, students who received Pell Grants or students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, first-generation students. And thankfully, those additional dollars are helping those students secure an affordable pathway through college. Um, that particular bill, uh, which is House Bill 1329, just closed last week. We'll be signing that into law this week. And I'll be um, excited to see those dollars going to our institutions, certainly with the goal of keeping tuition low and making sure that more financial aid is going to those student groups that I mentioned. Moving on to House Bill 1256, which provides new healthcare services to Coloradans through the Behavioral Health Administration. Can you explain a little bit about how current understandings of mental health really influence the decision to make behavioral health more affordable? Yeah, Coda, you're actually referring to two different bills, both focused on behavioral health. Oh. Uh, no, and I'll, I'll tell you about both because they really do work together. House Bill 1278 establishes and invests in our behavioral health administration. Um, 1278 is a bill that is designed to improve and streamline access to behavioral health services, removing barriers. Um, and a lot of what is in this bill came from patient requests, people who were frustrated trying to get services, um, whether it be substance use or abuse, particularly for our youth, um, other crisis interventions for people who might be threatening suicide, we knew we had to do more as a state. And so 1278 establishes the Behavioral Health Administration. My bill, House Bill 1256, changes, um, modernizes the requirements for someone who might be committed to uh, uh, psychiatric care or psychiatric hospital, um, but doing that with a particular focus on patient rights, um, being respectful of an individual who has to go, th go through an involuntary commitment and what that experience might be like. We wanted to modernize our state statutes and be sure that we were taking care of youth and adults through what we typically call an M1 hold, a mandatory hold. 
so that they are cared for, that they receive the services that they so desperately need in that moment of crisis. Thank you so much for that clarification. What do you think that the passing of these bills shows in terms of how the government is really working to prioritize mental health in Colorado? These two bills, plus uh, quite a few more, are coming as part of our behavioral and mental health package of bills this year. Uh, A year ago, the governor and members of the legislature participated in a statewide listening tour. We talked to people from all four corners of the state, from a variety of industries, and also talked about some of the challenges that we were seeing post-pandemic and after the economic crisis. Affordable housing showed up on that list, Workforce development showed up on that list and behavioral and mental health. So these two bills are part of a package that includes more than $400 million in trying to improve behavioral health care services, programs, and certainly access um, to the system, reducing costs, making it more available, um, ensuring that there are more people in the healthcare pipeline able to service people who have a behavioral or mental health crisis. Um, I'm sure, Coda, you have You've seen it at CSU, we've seen it in higher education as well as in our local public schools. Many students have really struggled through the pandemic. It's been a difficult time. And so providing more services and more accessible services, affordable services is a a top priority for us at the state. And I'm excited that we're leading the way by, by expanding those services or making sure that they are available to everyone. Can you explain a little bit about what the safety net built by the Behavioral Health Administration really provides for these communities? So, Coda, it's important to the legislature that we have the right kind of um, support system in place for someone who's experiencing maybe a substance use crisis or a mental health crisis and having a safety net means having services available to everyone, regardless of their ability to pay, regardless of how um, extreme their need may be. And that's particularly challenging in some parts of our state, rural Colorado being one. A lot of the communities I represent up in the high country are smaller. Um, Some of them are very expensive. And it's hard to find healthcare workers to be a part of our community and be able to provide these services. The Behavioral Health Administration, the modernization of our M1 hold, our involuntary commitment process, um, both of those bills are designed to make it easier uh, for people to access the services they need. There, as I mentioned earlier, there are other bills moving through the system, but the idea is that no person who is in trouble and needs help will ever be turned away or not find the services they need in one of the darkest points, moments, or days of their life. And I'm really proud of how we've prioritized these uh, services and programs this year, how we have decided that we're gonna make sure that safety net is in place. No matter where you live in Colorado, you should have access to care. And I, uh, we have a lot of work to do, even once we pass the legislation, but I am very excited to see these bills move forward. How do you think that making education more affordable for undocumented students also helps address that health need in getting more nurses and doctors and psychiatrists into those facilities? Uh, Coda, that's, that's a great focus and a great question. 
everything that we can do to revitalize our workforce uh, career and talent pipelines um, needs to be done right now. Because if we don't bring more people into some of those critically important fields like healthcare or education, um, our tech industry, construction industry, right? Colorado's economy is thriving right now, but we see workforce shortages all across the state. And when we have eager individuals, you know, students who have grown up in Colorado and because they are not documented, they're unable to access that additional education, that additional training. It means that they're not as qualified to take on some of those jobs that we so desperately need them to fill. So this is one more bill that removes the barrier, drives more people into the pipeline. Uh, they have the opportunity now to get a great education. And hopefully with some of the other bills we have uh, percolating this session, bills that will help support student tuition uh, through scholarships or uh, help drive more individuals into some of these fields by providing stipends or bonuses on the other end. Um, all of this is designed to help strengthen the workforce. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to add today? Uh, Coda, I, it's probably important that you know I am a CSU RAM. I graduated many years ago, but it is great to see um, to see Colorado State University at Fort Collins thriving and doing as well as it is. Excited uh, to chat with you today, and I'm always interested in hearing from students. So I hope that if anyone's listening to this interview and has questions about the bills we've talked about today, or is excited to get involved with the legislature and the work that we do down here, please reach out. I can be contacted um, through the state's uh, legislative website or at julie.mccluskey.house at cu.state.us. All right. Thank you so much for joining me again. Thanks, Coda. All right. And then for those that are just tuning in, that was Representative Julie McCluskey, who joined us today to talk about three bills, which recently passed through the House of Representatives and their importance in our state. To listen to the full interview, you can check us out on Spotify at KCSU News or online at kcsufm.com news. We'll be right back. Hey, this is DJ Asher. And this is DJ Dallas. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock for KCSU News, and these are national news highlights for Tuesday. A federal judge ruled that a lawsuit to block Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from seeking re-election can continue. 
Reuters reports that Judge Amy Totenberg from a U.S. District Court located in northern Georgia ruled in favor of a challenge filed with the Georgia Secretary of State. A group of voters filed the claim, which said that Green violated the Insurrectionist Disqualification Clause, which Jan Wolf from Reuters reports that the clause, which Jan Wolf from Reuters reports that the clause, which was passed after the Civil War, bars politicians from running for Congress after engaging in an act of rebellion against the U.S. or otherwise voiced or given support to insurrectionists or enemies of the U.S. Totenberg wrote over 70 pages ruling in favor of the group's ability to continue the case. Totenberg wrote in her ruling that Green failed to quote, failed quote, to establish a substantial likelihood of success on merits, end quote. Green continuously downplayed the January 6th attacks on the U.S. Capitol, and in one radio interview, she said, quote, Jan 6 was just a riot at the Capitol, and if you think about what our Declaration of Independence says, it says to overthrow tyrants, end quote. It is unlikely that the lawsuit will be complete by the time she's required to announce her bid for re-election. After a teenage boy was killed on a roller coaster ride in Florida last month, a report found that safety sensors were manually adjusted to create unsafe circumstances. According to Zoe Kristen Jones from CBS News, the adjustments prevented the ride from being shut down by safety sensors despite issues with the sea and safety harness. The report said that if the ride was functioning properly, two safety lights glow when the harness is secured in a safe manner. The gap on the boy's seat was over twice as big as the others, making it unsafe for any person to ride in it. But because of the manual adjustment for safe but because of the manual adjustment, safety lights still lit up despite not meeting those standards. Tyre Sampson was a 14-year-old boy who was 6 foot 5 and over 300 pounds, making it unsafe for him to ride based on the free fall rides standards it was built upon. The ride was the tallest drop tower in the world at 400 or the ride is the tallest drop tower in the world at 430 feet in height and it speeds up to 70 miles per hour during the drop. Medical students and residents may be unable to learn about abortion. Lindsay Tanner from the Associated Press reports that abortion is not part of general physical education for new doctors, and continued restrictions on abortion are making options to learn about the procedure scarce. As Roe v. Wade itself is being threatened by the Supreme Court, many medical schools are anxious to offer it, and finding doctors to shadow in states with limitation is harder than it would be for other procedures like colonoscopies. One Nevada medical student is offering the education on it in her own time at night. Natasha McGlon was trained on the procedure outside of standard classes and shadowing and is hoping that in teaching the procedure to other students, more options to learn about it will be available in states where it remains unrestricted or with low restrictions. TSA will no longer be enforcing airport mask mandates after a federal judge ruled that the Biden administration ruled against the Biden administration's travel policy for masks. Jonathan Franklin from National Public Radio reports that U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimball Mizell from Florida ruled against the mask mandate, which applied to trains, buses, and planes, saying that the requirement was unlawful. She said that in their mandate, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, who issued an extension on the mandate last week, overstepped their authority and violated the Administrative Procedure Act in issuing the mandate and its extension. The CDC must show evidence and prove necessity in order to require masks through policy, according to Ms. Sell's nearly 60-page ruling on the issue. The original lawsuit was filed in the summer and said that the CDC failed to follow procedures in rulemaking. As a result, buses, trains, planes, and other modes of transportation no longer require face masks unless individual airlines or other organizations require them as company policy. That's all for national news, and now we're going to hear from the Live and Local podcast with Dylan King.
You're about to listen to Live and Local, a podcast brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. I'm your host, DJ DeLone, and today is a little bit special. So it takes a lot of support and passion to have a music community. It takes a lot from musicians, venues, radio stations, and its patrons. It's the people who are listening, the people going to shows. And so today we decided to bring in Andy and Cheney from The Posted Ryan Apple, a new local music podcast here in Fort Collins. In the studio today, we've got Andy and Cheney from the Posted Ryan Apple podcast, a local podcast that is here in Fort Collins. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing great. We're excited to be on. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, So just to give us a little insight on the podcast, like you want to kind of just inform KCSU listeners about that. Yeah, so it's what we call it a podcast, but it's <laughs> almost a little bit more of a show. I'd say like Tiny Desk meets an interview. Um, so we have a bunch yeah. of local bands coming on, and you know they play about like a five song set, and then I get up and I do a terrible job interviewing them. Oh yeah, every time. <laughs> and uh, then we actually have the audience ask a couple questions too, which I like like even more, and just try to promote the local bands around town. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, Andy, anything you want to add? Yeah, no, that's the overall goal. We're trying to, you know, promote local music and make it exciting, I think, and accessible, I think, is a a buzzword that applies. It's a lot of organizational work, but it's worth it because it's rewarding to see how excited people get for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some great local acts around Fort Collins, too. I would absolutely agree. Yeah. So do you guys want to just start? uh, We'll kind of progress through how the podcast has developed and kind of evolved. So do we want to start with kind of how the idea came to be? So the idea, it's a weird thing. Did you bring it to me with Pat? I think, think, yeah, I think we had, we together came up with a a plot to uh, create something. We we didn't have, we had a very loose idea of what it would look like, Yeah, but it was essentially something to highlight local music, whether it be uh, for profit or for just volunteer. Yeah. Cause like I had say the way it started is, you know, it was, truly much more of a podcast where we had one band, we didn't have any sort of live audience at all and they would play a little bit and then we would all sit down on a couch and then talk about it. And then we did one show that we were going to do. It's called bands for bands. And we Mm -hmm. had four bands on that day. The only audience members were the other bands. And that's kind of how we came to the idea of actually just making it more of a local show. And then we quickly learned that four bands in one day is way Way too much much work. work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Chaos. Pure chaos. (laughs) Yeah. Now it's just two bands a time. Yeah. A little more manageable, but a perfect amount, really. Yes, yeah. you know, it's attention spans are a thing, and and it's nice to just have uh, the variety of two different groups because yeah. you can get a pretty. Uh, We've had some like opposing very, genres on the same very podcast interesting before. Combinations, uh, entertaining, always yeah. entertaining though, because when you have that contradiction, the results are usually very interesting. It's really cool. This kind of live audience aspect to it, was that part of the idea from the start or was that just something that, you know, got thrown in there? Kind of thrown in there. It was thrown in there. It was not, we, we, the first podcast we did featured no live audience. It was uh, a little more cut and dry. The set was shorter. The interview was shorter. Um, much more pop based questions to yeah, kind we, of we like focusing on popular culture. Yeah. Like who are, what artists were you sad to see pass and stuff like that. And now the questions are much more involved of who are you as people They're personalized rather yeah. than, you know, and which was nice cause it, 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 it gets you a, a nice lens into who they are rather than just how do you feel about current events? You know, it's sort of generic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall it was much more, 
uh, it wasn't live audience focused. It was, uh, yeah, more just but a the live audience has made it great. And the really oh, yeah. cool thing is like actually seeing people come back. Like, I don't think we ever really thought that people would actually watch every no. episode and no. we got people that have come back, you know, like shout out to Jay from crooked rugs. He's been at almost every episode of ours and you know, it warms my heart that he's there. We got some people that are just regulars at this point and it's so nice to see them. Yeah. So would you rather see people in like the audience there for the actual show or like, you know, have people listening that you, you know, don't know. Oh man. I don't know. That's a good How question. about both? Can, is both you an can option? Absolutely have both. I would yeah. like both. I, I, the idea of having recurring characters is great. Cause you feel this comfortable sense of like, Oh, my people are right around me. That's great. But also knowing that, that you have people across the country that support you is also really nice. Yeah. So, but I, I don't know. I love the local audience just because I feel like I, I, you know, I, I have the same set of questions a lot of the times. Cause like I, you know, you start to get a formula as an interviewer, you want to figure out what the band is, but then you just get funny. You know, the, one of the audience members is like, what does that tattoo mean? And it just, it shakes things up. So I think the live audience oh, yeah. is a, like a huge part for me. Yeah, it's great. They'll ask questions that are a little bit more uh, out there than we can come up with. It's yeah. nice to throw that in. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, let's talk about just that first episode that, um, mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of your test, your test run. Sure. Uh, were there a lot of things to happen between that first podcast and the second, like a lot of, you know, back, like, you know, things in the background that you kind of recognized and understood like quickly how we, Oh yeah. There, there were so oh, many, yeah. so many things we learned very quickly in a short period of time. Make sure you charge your cameras. Like, basic <laughs> stuff. You know, it was, it was, it was a nice, it was, we needed that. Yeah. We needed that buffer period. Cause I think, but it was really cool to see the quality jump between so quick. the first and second episodes was, was exponential. And then after that, it was just like, we got it. Well, actually one thing that I will know, it, it was, we were really sad at one point, but, um, the actual legitimate second episode will, uh, will never be aired because we lost all of the files, but we had a, uh, a guitar player from down in NOLA. And so that was the same kind of style that we did the first podcast. And so it's funny, we have this like evolution jump from the first to second episode, but you'll, unfortunately no one will ever see that second episode. His performance was, in, it was incredible. It was, so it was Well, yeah. I guess you'll have to bring him back then. We, we would love would to. Love to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, 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 we used to have contact with him. He, uh, Daniel, Daniel, he is a very nomadic person. So yeah, always... he's a big busker. He's a steel guitar player okay. and just that bluesy, like oh. really cool voice, raspy voice too. Beautiful. Him. Cool. Uh, so let's jump back a little bit. Uh, I want to touch on, you know, from the formation of the idea to actual, you know, have it going. There's a lot in between there yeah. that, you yeah. know, it's work. It was. Yeah. So yeah. I will, I mean, like, I feel like in some weird sense, it all started with Andy and I moving in together. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, him and I, and then our buddy Patrick, we all built that studio. And so we had a studio for a while and then it just, the, I've been listening to podcasts for years. I love podcasts. And, um, you know, we got some other people, part of the group, uh, Hemi and Genevieve who are a huge, um, you know, they were, they were a huge part of our, our team for a while. Unfortunately, they're moving back to, uh, Savannah. Savannah. They're yeah. going to be going on tours beneath trees. Um, but yeah, it was just a lot of pushing each other. And Hemi did a huge part of like getting so many bands. I mean, that guy booked 
so much music and it just forced us to be better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing they don't tell you about working in just maybe just music in general is how much booking is significant and is a a very important role. You you wouldn't think it, but it's like, there's a lot of organization and it's like, it's not the fun work, but it's so necessary for the leg work for sure. It is. Oh my, we learned that people see me the most. Like I get, I think I'm more of like the face of, uh, you know, posted Ryan Apple, but you know, Hemi and Andy, they've done like the, the grunt, a lot of the leg work of that behind the scenes kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a machine and you got to keep it oiled, but you know, you need components to it. You have you know, the exterior, you're like the exterior. It's like a car, you know, you're like the framing outside of car. Pretty. We, we do like the, you know, the gears, you know, rather than, you know, yeah. Well, some of us aren't as aesthetic, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's an operation. Absolutely. And, and, and from the get go, we knew that when we, when we built the thing, we knew it was going to be a project, I think. And, um, so having the people that were excited about it was, was really important to make it happen and yeah. we had that so nice and how long did it take for you guys to kind of build that studio um i don't i don't time what, stamp two on two months it. yeah maybe two or three so months it was it was like we built it we you know put up all the drywall we spent hours soundproofing that place yeah. just tack by tack um yeah. but it, there was debt like it you know we had uh, on, actually, the first episode, Rattle Caps, our buddy Kalen, he came in and did the glass work for us as well because we have like a nice window between the control room and live room. Um, but it definitely evolved. Oh, yeah. Because Andy has put in a lot of money. He got, you know, the X-Air, which has been awesome to use for recording and for live stuff. And so at first, you know, when Andy and I started practicing together during COVID, we had two tiny amps with no PA system and I was screaming over the drums for people to hear me to sing. So it's been a, I mean, I would say like the actual making was two months, but it's always improving. It's always being more. And it's community built too. Like it's people add things to it all the time. Like it'll, I'll be one of the walls will have some new addition to it that someone just made out of magazines or something. <laughs> it's like, Oh wow, that's really cool. Um, that just happened organically. So it's fun to see that happen in real time. And it's, it's helpful too. Cause you can't be everywhere at once when you run something like that. So little yeah. things that help are, are great. So. Awesome. Okay. So hopping back to, let's think talk about like day of show. So you guys have already organized everything. Can you kind of like talk us through what happens at the posted Ryan Apple from the beginning of the day to the end of the day when you guys are recording? Well, we wake up, we <laughs> brush <laughs> your teeth, make some coffee, brush your teeth, basic stuff. And, um, and then so just a lot of cleaning of the household. And, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, Andy goes get snacks. I'll bring the bands in, try to keep them on a, a regimented time to get their yeah. their stuff set up. We've had, I love all the bands that have been on. Some of them are the slowest people I've ever met in my entire life to we set up. To set. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're but great. Yeah, yeah. The day is just, um, it's a lot of just like telling people, Hey, it's five minutes. We're going to start this, telling them how the interview is going to go telling people over and over and over again to speak into the microphone <laughs> to make sure that they actually are, are heard on the podcast. And, um, I mean, sometimes it, it kind of varies cause you know, with some bands it, it went quick. It was two hours. We had one that started at seven o'clock and didn't end until 12 at night. And so 
it can kind of vary depending on what kind of setup we have for the band. Like the last episode we just dropped, Cell Farm, it was very different for us because usually it's just a regular band, and so the setup is easy. But this band, his setup was incredible. It was like all sorts of like loopers and just like a whole like DJ setup with his guitar as well. So we get, it's a lot of adapting with mm-hmm. bands. Mm-hmm. You guys have had Cricket Rugs on your show before, right? Yeah, we, we have had them on. They, yeah, they're, they're one of our greatest. They're one of my favorites. One of our favorites. Yeah. Personal favorites not, so. not only them, but also uh, Jay, their keyboard player. He's in a band called Fun Screen, and we had uh, them on as well. And Fun Screen is... They're, they're, they're magical. They're, they're the best interview I've ever had. Yeah, it uh, was yeah. so cool. Compelling. Okay, so interviews. You have this kind of duality where you guys ask questions, and then you also have your audience members ask questions mm-hmm. and other band members yeah so we talked a little bit how that brings you know a little extra to the table but what you know what is that little extra i think a huge part is uh, definitely other bands asking and the reason why i like other bands asking is because they are bands and so they know the questions you know a lot of times you don't know what to ask a band because you're not in a band kind of a thing and so you have the people that ask those extra questions that are just a little bit more of that nitty-gritty of something that you wouldn't have really thought of before yeah i mean a lot of them have expertise in areas that a band can relate to because they all share it's like oh yeah i play bass guitar as well Mm. so you, you know there's little things about about that that you can relate to as, yeah. a, as a band, someone that's interested in being in band. And yeah, I mean, Which they, maybe we love cause we're a band too, but maybe, maybe the audience love. doesn't love, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't care. Uh, <laughs> we care. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. What have been like some of the most out of the box questions that have gotten some like the best responses? Um, there's probably like a few of them that kind of stick out in your mind. Yeah. One of my yeah, favorite answers of all time was actually a band called Colopsia. And I asked them what you love and hate about recording. Um, and the bass player, he, he sat there and thought for a second, but then it, finally he's like, I just, I hate that red button. And like everybody in the audience was just like, like you could hear this kind of like breath, just like, yeah, like that's it. Like I hate just like looking at that button and trying to get it going. The recording button. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's, yeah. It spoke to a lot of people in the room, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was compelling. Yeah. Everybody, I, everybody was quiet for a minute. Cause it was mm-hmm. like, oh wow, that's I, I, a lot of like the, the audience asked, it's very nice. Like having an audience member that knows the band. And so they can kind of ask the right question to say, how did you get that really cool band name? What was your story about how you guys all met? I mean, one of my favorite ones was um, with Shadow Work. Shout out Shadow Work. They are so awesome. They actually played in here. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, they were one of the, the first groups that I had in this semester. They're they such great. nice guys, too. Really you know, yeah. Raph, Joe, Ben, if you guys ever hear this, I love y'all. You're super awesome. Um, but... Uh, yeah, one of the questions I, I kind of totally forgot where I was talking about with, with Shadow Work. They had they had a couple of good quest- answers to the questions that we had. Mm-hmm. They were they their confidence was was what really sold them for me, yeah. honestly. But uh, yeah, we've had some other. We had, uh, Spliff Tank had some good answers too. They I I remember one of them quoted uh like it was like 
John F. Kennedy or something out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, that was really left field, but it like made a lot of sense in the moment. I think uh, forever my favorite will be the interview of Fun Screen though, because uh, oh, they yeah, all dr- they dress up as they um, were in character. Yeah, they do characters. Yeah, so some, and so yeah. the first one's a wizard, and the bass player is a, a sage, He's if a I'm sage. correct, and the drummer yeah, is a is a knight. And whenever they answer, they don't break character the whole time. They didn't even break character when they arrived. And so we had one guy come up, and it, it, it was such a silly question, but he just comes up and he's like, what kind of wizard are you? White, red, or or uh, like orange? And he's wearing a blue wizard suit, and he's like, I'm a blue wizard. What, yeah. are, you, what are you talking about? <laughs> he, was, he was a sassy wizard. Um, he was just sassy. That, they, they were a good group. They, you know, they're one of the groups that had more of like an aesthetic. Yeah. So we have some groups that they come in there and they're like, obviously they have an aesthetic, but like their, their focus is entirely sound. And then, and that works more for, you know, having sort of the, the audio component, but like, you know, it's, it's evolved to being more of a visual thing. Cause yeah. originally we, you know, we were going to have it be mostly focused on releasing the audio. the audio on Spotify and seeing how that did. But pretty quickly we realized it was more methodical and it was more advantageous for us to just have cameras in there and see if we could capture it as more, more of a show uh, yeah. phenomenon. I mean, one of our questions led to uh, people in general, their lead singer didn't doing a kickflip with his guitar in it hand. It was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. That's so funny. I, I love this part of you. Yes. Audio is great, but adding audio and video is like, you know, you get that little extra thing because whenever I have listened to uh, your podcast, I've always just listened to it. I haven't had a chance to watch the video. And Mm. so hearing, like I I listened to that fun screen interview of how, you know, they're answering questions in character. And I was so confused. (laughs) If I was able to see that, I would understand what's going on. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, no, it would be confusing had you not seen what was happening. (laughs) Yeah, some of the questions, I was like, what? (laughs) I don't even understand how you would think of this, but if they're in character, that just being something that I was unaware of, it just really... It almost really like funny. It, it was hard to get through the interview because I was trying so hard not to laugh because they're really funny. Like they're they're funny. really awesome people. And that... That, that I, I think at one point I even like stopped the interview and I was like, these are the best an- like answers I've ever heard on this. <laughs> it's funny you say that we, we needed to introduce the visual component because we were going to have groups on that were more visual. So it yeah. was like a demand that needed to be met with that. And especially with fun screen. Cause it was like, that was an important component of yeah. their performance was having this, it was yeah. a, it was an act. It was, and especially you know, on these, uh, uh, you know, the last one we just dropped with uh, Shadow Work and Cell Farm, and then we got another one coming with uh, Two-Headed Sweater and AM Pleasure Assassins. Yep. But for those two, we actually had a couple come in. They're called Cat Scanners. They're, they're super awesome, mm-hmm. but they did Liquid Light for uh, the whole setup. To hear the rest of this episode, check out the live and local podcast at kcsufm.com. Hey, Molly. How's your Sunday going? Uh, I'm a little frightened, DJ Lone Star. Well, your Sundays don't have to be scary anymore. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 9 p.m. for some genuine Southern comfort, high-energy music, and conversations you can't find anywhere else. What if I'm so scared? Then bless your heart.
This is Ellie Shannon with your tech news. Google has stated that it has not made changes to how it censors satellite imagery of Russia, contrary to widely circulated claims on Twitter that it opened access to Russia's military and strategic facilities. A Twitter account that has been cited several times by the official Ukrainian Ministry of Defense account tweeted a set of Google images of what looked to be military equipment. At least one of the images that were posted can be found on Google Images, but Google pixelates many military bases around the world for sensitivity reasons. The Verge reports that Google has already taken some actions against Russia since the country invaded Ukraine. Amazon has been ordered by a judge to reinstate a former employee, who was fired two years ago after protesting at a Staten Island warehouse. Gerald Bryson was protesting outside of the Amazon facility after getting into an argument with another employee. Amazon investigated the incident and fired Bryson for violating the company's policy against using abusive, vulgar, or harassing language while giving the other worker a written warning. According to James Vincent of The Verge, Bryson was reportedly very excited about his victory and to come back. Google Wallet was retired back in 2018 when it introduced Apple Pay. Now Google may be bringing Google Wallet back, but not as a standalone app. The company is developing a Google UI for Google Play services, and Google Pay will still act as a user's go-to app for contactless payments, but Wallet will still store all cards. Digital rights watchdog Group Citizen Lab said this week it had warned British officials that electronic devices connected to government networks, including some inside the prime minister's office and foreign ministry, appeared to be infected with Israeli-made spy software. The spyware, also known as Pegasus, was reported by Citizen Lab to the British government after detecting their presence from 2020 to 2021. The findings about the hacking activity connected to the British Prime Minister's office was investigated by the UK National Cybersecurity Centre, but the findings were inconclusive. That's all for your tech news. And now here's Coda Babcock with the weather. Today was warm and partly cloudy with temperatures ranging from the mid-40s to the mid-70s. Wednesday, expect sunny skies with a high of 70 and a low just under 40. Thursday continues to warm up with sunny skies and a high in the mid-70s with a low in the mid-40s. Throughout the week, you can expect moderate winds and no rain. And for Friday, tune in this Thursday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Kota Babcock with KCSU News, and information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandell, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listeners.